Um, I was listening to the Antioch uh, New England uh, Relational Values podcast, which you can find by searching Antioch New England Relational Values podcast. Um, Danny Pierce really summed it up. He's a, Danny Pierce is a church planter we sent out from this church. They have a church on the South Shore. It's great. And um, he summed it up. He's like, the biblical value of love is the primary right way to do relationship with God and with each other in the church. And so when we talk about our relational values, you know, what should it feel like? It should feel like love. What does it look like? Well, we have a six-page document to talk about that and an eight-part sermon series. Um, it is complicated to work out love with God and with one another, and that's what our relational values are about. In concrete terms, what does it look like, feel like, sound like, and what's happening in our hearts while we do it, if we're doing it God's way? Um, this week, we're going to be talking about humble service. Okay, you may have gotten the hint when we pass out those like half sheet papers for signing up for things. Humble service this week. And um, before I dig into it, I just got, you know, sermons are a time for caveats. Before we get into what humble service is and isn't, I just want to address church should, okay? Um, I'm making a new technical term. Church should is that thing where you're like, oh, I should be part of such and such. I really should be doing more, right? And it's that condemning part of your subconscious that just makes you feel lousy for what you're not doing. Um, thank goodness that Jesus does not really work that way. But I just want to acknowledge that, right? There's this idea that we should be doing more, we should be living up to more, or we should be more than we are. Um, and then, you know, like sometimes that's actually true, maybe. But it's not helpful. It's, it's, it's focus is in the wrong place, right? Jesus doesn't like walk in there and he's like, you know, like, you should be at level this. How are you rolling at this level, right? No way. Right? Because the way that Jesus works among human beings is to organically grow us in a relational process. And that's not what should is about. Right? Should is about you proving yourself. But what we're actually doing in this room as we try to follow Jesus is that we're knowing God and walking this thing out step by step in relationship. Uh, so we're talking about humble service. It's a relational value. It's not a prove yourself to God value. It's not an impress people at church value. Amen? All right, so don't do that, okay? All right. I'm going to read our written definition of humble service. This is from our uh, relational values document. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. He modeled this selfless lifestyle with both his disciples as well as society's lost, outcast, and oppressed. As Jesus' disciples, we follow Jesus' example and prioritize the needs of others. So what is humble service? Let's break it down. Service. All right? Service <laughs> is helping other people. It's something we do in the physical world of people and things. In contrast to humility, right? Which is a condition of the soul. Right? Your soul is just as real as your feet and head are real. But it, it's existing in sort of the metaphysical world inside of you. Humility, right? It is a hidden moral condition of the soul, not thinking higher of yourself than you ought to, and caring about other people, right, more than yourself. That's humility. 
And Jesus cares about both these things. If you're serving, and you're serving in an arrogant way, that is a problem, okay? If you're choosing not to serve, but you're just so humble, that's also a problem, because Jesus isn't calling us to be, is calling us to be engaged in the heart level, to where we're really living in humility, and he's calling us to be uh, engaged at the boots on the ground level of serving wherever we are at every time. And so our main idea that we are just going to come back to over and over again like the hammer pounding in the nail is that humble service is not about us. It's not about us. Humble service is not about us. Um, if we want to give it a more biblical definition, the Bible says, uh, look not to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. Right? And that's a pointer to the, to the life that Jesus lived, right? Jesus on earth didn't look to his own interests, but he cared about our interests. Um, okay, so look to the other interests of others. That sounds pretty straightforward, right? What does that mean at a practical level? Um, actually having someone else's good as your goal is pretty cutting edge. Like waking up in the morning and be like, oh, this other person, they're good. That's what I care about right now. That is not easy to do. And it is not what society defaults to. I'm going to give a, an example for this, right? I like to read books. I like to read science fiction and fantasy books, actually. You can bring me your recommendations. Um, and I sometimes will get to, like, the last ten chapters and be like, I'm not putting this book down, right? And I just read the last ten chapters, and two in the morning, I put the book on the, like, back in the library basket, and I'm like, yes, I'm going to go to bed. And I wake up the next day, and I'm like, oh, what a great book. Okay, but then when I became a dad and we had a newborn in the house, a couple of newborns in the house right now, I would like stay up to two in the morning taking care of the needs of another person and I was cranky about it. So the same number of hours of sleep had happened, but in the one case, I chose to do it because I wanted to be entertained and in the other case, Someone chose for me <laughs> that that is what I was going to do. Are you dragging with me? This one is the same experience physiologically, I think. Um, but in this case, I was dealing with the needs of my, my daughter. And in this case, I'm dealing with my own needs. And um, it's different, right? Why is that different? It's different feeling to us when we put our focus on the needs of other people. And, and you know, like, um, there are lots of different ways to talk about it, but I like the dramatic way of talking about that experience, where you call that negative feeling of serving dying the little death, okay? So sometimes it's good to be just a little dramatic, and we're going to call that, that painful thing that happens when you serve other people. Like, you have a good attitude, you are serving, you're serving well, but you still just, ugh, you know? We're going to call that dying the little death. I'll return to that later. Um, <laughs> talk about it some more. All right, now let's talk about humility, right? Humility is letting go of the desire to be somebody, to be significant, to be important, to be impactful, to be impressive, to be respected. I think I said respected twice. Humility is when we let go of all that, and we are just doing what we're doing. We're not trying to be seen. We're not trying to be somebody. We're not trying to feed our ego. 
Humility, right? And humility is so central to what maturity is in the Christian life, right? Like, if, if you want to impress people in the real world, you need to build up a, an, you need to build up a resume. You need to get, get some great work experience. It'd be helpful if you had some letters in your, after your name, right? You want to impress people in the real world. But what impresses Jesus? What impresses Jesus? Humility is a part of that. Humility impresses Jesus. Um, and um, I like the way that humble and service go together because they're interrelated. Not, so like, um, all right, well, actually, let's, let's so like, this is our value, right? Humble service. What if we decided to value the opposite thing? Wouldn't that be interesting? Help me out, Slim. Um, yeah, okay, what if this is what we decided we were going to tackle at Antioch, right? You know, like, I, so, like, this very week, I'm, like, um, listening to ads uh, and watching ads, and they, they say something like, hey, come shop at this store where it's all about you. Like, oh, come get your nails done here. It's you time. It's me time today, right? What if that's how we presented Antioch Community Church? Welcome to Antioch. It's all about you. This is the place where all your needs are going to met, be met. It's all about you at Antioch. That would satisfy this value correctly, right? We'd be saying, it's all about you. Welcome to Antioch where you should focus on what you want all the time. Welcome to Antioch. This is a place about you feeling important. I mean, we actually do have a value for building people big. Right? That's one of our values, investing in people. And, and you know, guess what? We actually do care about you when you come to Antioch. But it's, we care about you, we love you, but it's not about you. Amen? When you come in this church, it's about God. Right? God, it is about you. Okay? Please take away that awful slide. All right? All right. Humble service. It's not about you. Um, and so, like, you know, that little feeling, like, that little, we call it the little death. Um, it's, um, it's shaping your heart. So, like, um, okay, all y'all new moms, just take a nap for this part of the sermon, okay? Because I'm going to talk about that experience of over and over and over and over and over and over again considering the needs of somebody else until it finally changes the internal part of your heart till that just becomes the new way that you live life. And anybody who's ever had that experience, either because you took care of a sick relative or because um, you had a job where you had to serve other people and learn to care about them or because you were a parent or any of a hundred other ways, you know what I'm talking about. Every time you choose to put someone else's needs above your own, it erodes some part of you. And I, I, the best metaphor I could come up with is like chemotherapy shrinking a tumor, right? No one wants to go through chemotherapy. It is actually killing you. But the thing that it does is the tumor is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Because chemotherapy is killing it a little faster than it is killing all the rest of you. Boy, this is intense. Okay. But that's what, he, that's what service does in our soul. 
our pride, our desire to be somebody and feel like somebody wants to take over and control everything in our life. But when we serve other people, we deny ourselves and make someone else's needs important to us, man, it does a number on our pride. And it's the damage it's doing to our pride that makes it hard to do. All right, is it okay if we talk about Jesus in here a little bit? All right. So Jesus, let's talk about Jesus. So Jesus cared a lot about humility. He cared a lot about service. And um, I love Jesus. He was a good leader. He didn't just like walk in a room with his disciples and tell them that service was important. Because then the disciples could have been like, hmm, yes, Jesus, mm, very wise, Jesus, thank you. And then just sort of like gone right back to whatever they were doing, right? That's probably what I would do. Um, but Jesus wanted to greatly disturb his disciples related to serving others humbly. And so he washed their feet, right? This happens in John chapter 13, verses 12 through 17. I'm going to read it in a minute. But um, in our kids' children's Bible... There's like a, the illustration, it's not Jesus kneeling, washing the feet. The illustration is a cartoon foot with a sandal on, stepping in a cow patty, right? So that's the context for Jesus washing his disciples' feet after the meal. It was disgusting. Um, and it's the kind of thing that a person would not do to be honored. It's the thing a person would do to genuinely serve and care about the needs of other people. Listen to what Jesus says here. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And this is what he said. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? What a thing to say, right? Do you understand what I have done for you? And I, I don't know. I read that verse and I think, man, do I understand what Jesus has done for me? I mean, do I really understand? I mean, we, we want to be a church that honors people who serve, you know? But man, do we understand what Jesus has done for us? He says, you call me teacher and Lord. Rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And when Jesus says no servant is greater than his master, he's saying if I have humbled myself already to the very lowest place in this room, None of you get to act like you're better than me. Amen? So that's our standard for humble service. Right? No one's allowed to act better than Jesus. Right? I mean, the, the modern equivalent of the foot washing is probably cleaning the bathroom. Okay? So you got roommates? Don't be higher than Jesus this week. Just go do it. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Man, do we understand what Jesus has done for us? You know, can we interact with the ways that Jesus served us? The way that he, obviously Jesus died for our sins. He made a way for us to be right with God. But every other thing he's done to serve us, right? 
the ways that Jesus has healed us in our heart, the ways that Jesus has reconciled relationships around us. Man. All right. Now, the second piece of this, right, is humility. Now, humility is tricky because it's hard to be the best at. Um, I'm a competitive person. This is interesting to work through on our staff. Uh, we did an assessment that determines what your greatest strengths are, and my number one contribution to the team is that I am a bloodthirsty competitor. <laughs> and um, probably 99-plus percent of the time, that is a liability. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. And, um, and, um, and so if we're asking the, the question, like, what, what is the place for competition in the kingdom of God? Well, um, if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, I mean, if we really want to be somebody, if we want to be the best, what is it that Jesus says is the best? What is it that Jesus says is the greatest? Well, slightly off topic, he says that children are the greatest. He says that the attitude and lifestyle and innocence of a child is the greatest. But that is another day's sermon. The other thing he says is the greatest is to be the one who serves. To be the one who serves. The greatest among you shall be your servant. So you're a competitive person? I'm a competitive person. Let's do you versus me. Servant championship, right? <laughs> but the rules are it has to be done in secret where only Jesus knows. Does that sound good? Everybody ready to try to make it to the championship? The disciples were just like me. They wanted to be the best. In every single one of the four Gospels, they are competing with one another to make it to the highest place in the Jesus squad. They all want to be the best. And Jesus says, you want to be the best? Serve one another. You want to be the greatest? Show me the greatest humility. Show me the greatest serving of one another in this ministry team. Whoa, that is crazy. Because you want to be the greatest of all time? It's not seven Super Bowls, Tom Brady. Come on. The greatest of all time means serving others, seeing and responding to their needs. That's what greatness is like. All right. Um, but what's holding us back from this, right? What, what holds us back from... Um, from serving each other, from serving other people, serving God. What, what makes this so hard to do? Um, I mean, the first one we talked about already, right? That little death. So I just got a, I got a fitness tracker this week. Got it used on eBay. Kind of cool. And uh, it shows me how many steps I took. It turns out I pace at work, so I'm like killing it. Um, <laughs> But what if it showed the percentage of my thoughts which were genuinely about other people? Right? Everybody want to wear that activity tracker? You know? You're like winding down at the end of the day, you're like, see how many steps we got in. And be like, holy smokes, I only thought about other people 1% of the day. You know? Can I put in another 20 minutes right now? You know? We are, by default, self-centered. It is part of the fallen nature of humanity that we think about ourselves. 
We need help from Jesus to not be that way. And some of it is just awareness. I try to be aware today. You can be your friends. You think about me right now? You think about yourself? Are you thinking about yourself? Are you worried about right now? Okay. We actually can become more aware of our self-absorption, of our preoccupation with our own needs, and think, like, like, let's discipline ourselves to start focusing our attention on the needs of other people. All right, here's the second thing, right? It's a self-centered service where I serve. Like, I'm going to serve, but I'm going to serve when it suits me, and I'm going to serve in the thing that I like serving in, and I'm going to serve when it's convenient for me, and I'm going to serve the people that are enjoyable to serve. How about that one, right? And when I'm serving that way, I remain totally in control of the process of serving. Right? And if I'm serving that way, am I really serving other people or am I still thinking about my own needs? This is hard, right? It's like gravity. Everything keeps bending back to me again. It's hard to do this without Jesus. Here's another one. This one's insidious. We decide, like, that's it. I've made up my mind. I'm going to be the greatest in serving. I will do some serving this week. And so what do we come up with? We think of the most grandiose, big deal serving thing we can come up with, right? Like our first thing that we always think of is, oh, I'm going to serve the homeless. Praise God, Antioch is showing up for serving the homeless, right? Um, we're involved in, in Miracle Mile. You guys can talk to Heidi right here if you want to get involved with that. That's some legit service happening there. It's selfless. It's beautiful. But why do we always think of that first? Well, because we're really important and we're going to be a big deal. And if we're going to serve and be a big deal, certainly our service has to be something big. Has to be something impressive. Has to be something we would feel proud of after we did it. You know, because it's all about us, right? So that's a barrier to service, is that we want to do something in serving that feels cool to us. Even our secret service, we would like to feel cool. But that's dumb. We're not going to feel cool. Right? We don't want to have this like serving martyr complex where we like prove to ourselves that we're really serving by doing this like big service, right? Because um, it's, the, it's the little things that do that chemotherapy business on your pride. The smaller the service is, the less likely it's going to be noticed by your roommates. And the more it matters only to Jesus. Amen. The more it goes to war on your pride. Uh, Richard Foster, um, one of my favorite authors, he writes a lot on uh, service and humility. And I've grabbed several things from his book, so I have to mention his name. Um, he says this, he says, aside from serving humbly in the tiny things, how else are we finally going to get off the merry-go-round of earthly promotion and authority? Uh, that convicts me. I want to live up to that. All right, so Jesus emphasizes, right? Got to serve, we got to be humble, and the way that we do that is we serve in secret, right? So think about it. What could you do when you go back to your apartment 
to be some kind of serving ninja where you climb in through the window, fix something, and then just disappear like a puff of smoke. That is what it looks like to try to serve Jesus humbly. And but what, what is the big deal with that? Yes, several of you are wearing all black already, and you just go for it, okay? Um, but what is the deal with this? Why is it such a priority for Jesus that our serving would happen in secret? Well, number one, it kills our pride to get no recognition. That's straightforward. But number two, I've been thinking about this this week. Secrets, right? Secretness. There's an implied intimacy with secretness, right? Because where's the place that is right for secrets to live? It's inside of intimate relationships, right? You think about a marriage. That's a place where secrets can inhabit, where secrets can be shared. And when you do something serving God, serving other people, and they have no idea it was you, putting together a little bit of the framework of what happens inside your intimate relationship with Jesus. Man, Jesus is a great keeper of secrets. But does that make sense? Serving Jesus in secret, there's an implied intimacy, an implied deep knowing and trusting between the two of you. And you know, like, you think about that thing, and Jesus is like, his eyes are twinkling. He remembers that thing. Uh, and it forms a piece of the substance of relationship to have served Jesus in secret. Something that just you and he know about. Um, all right, so can we get a little bit practical? Get a little bit nuts and bolts of this thing. Our tendency, again, we want to serve something big. We also want to serve someone slightly further away because that allows us to step outside our frame of people that we have to deal with. Um, but like, let's start with the smallest thing and the nearest thing, right? If you're a parent, you are stuck. You have to serve your children's needs anyway. What could you do to make the attitude of serving your children more humble? What could you do? Right? You have to serve them anyway. Right? You're stuck. What could you do to make the attitude of serving them more humble? Number two, um, what about your workplace? Just because you get paid to be there doesn't mean that you are serving. Like, you know, Jesus said, like, if you just do what is required of you, what are you doing more than anybody else? What does it mean? Like, you know, like, think about, think about different people in your life. Your boss. How about your landlord? It's another reciprocity relationship. I give you money. I get to stay here. How are you serving your landlord or your landlady? Think about it. Is there a way you could serve them? They might not even know that that thing is broken and you fix it. Check your local laws. But <laughs> think, about, think about how you can serve those people right? You, you, both your boss and your landlord in many cases are more wealthy than you. That doesn't matter, actually. All right? Here's another one. Um, we like to serve practical needs. Do you know why we like to do that? Because it's all about us. When you serve a practical need, after you serve it, it is done. And you get to look at it and be like, ha, 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 ha. Right? Like the classic is like, you're going to walk into your office this week and be like, see that mess? 
that no one is ever taken care of in the shared space. And you're going to be like, you put on your ninja clothes and you just go in there and you clean it up and nobody knows it you. But you still have the satisfaction of going in the break room every week and being like, booyah, that microwave is so clean. Yeah. But what about when you serve somebody's emotional needs? Do you get that same kind of ego boost from it? No, ma'am. But emotional needs are just as real as practical physical needs. Somebody lonely strikes up a conversation with you when you are busy. What are you going to do? You're going to serve that person's need? It's a major need, isn't it? Right? Loneliness, isolation. And you know who the loneliest people are? People with poor social skills. Right? Nobody listens to them because it's hard to listen to them. But when you do that, you are serving someone. It is pleasurable to Jesus when we listen to someone. We just listen to someone. You don't have to do anything. It's like the most passive service you could possibly come up with. That matters, right? Think about how do you interact with those people in your life who empty your cup instead of filling it? Can you serve them? Um, there's this kind of like really old school concept I want to reintroduce. Hospitality. Remember hospitality? Okay. Um, I think the president did just recently proclaim that COVID basically is over. Um, hospitality, guys. Did, anybody in this house ever spend like a month trying to find an apartment in this city? Anybody in this, ever, everybody ever spent multiple years trying to buy a house in this city? Okay, you went through all of that, and now here you are. What are you going to do with your house? What are you going to do with your apartment? Why did you buy that dining room table? Right? Can this stuff belong to Jesus? Can we, re- can we leverage this for some kind of kingdom good? Right? All right, but interesting thing. Jesus actually anticipated us on this one, and he specified who you should invite over to your house. That if you invite people to your house who can repay you by hosting you later, right? People who are going to reciprocally, reciprocally, thank, reciprocating saw, who are going to reciprocally meet your needs, or they're going to come to your house and make you feel good, those people don't really count as serving. That's just you kind of having, entering the emotional economy in some way. Serving is when you invite people over, not because you want to enjoy them, but because you believe it will be good for them to come and eat at your house. That's what serving looks like. It's called hospitality. Ask your grandparents about it. Their generation was killing it in hospitality. In fact, when was the last time you talked to your grandparents? If your grandparents are dead, I'm really sorry about that. But if your grandparents are not dead, call them up this week. Serve them. Amen? Any grandparents listening to this, they're like, yeah. Tell them, Pastor. Right? And let's talk about the last one, your family, right? How are you serving in your family? How do you serve your kids? How do you serve your spouse? How do you serve your girlfriend? And if you don't have any of those things, God bless you. Your life is so simple right now. How are you serving your roommates? Right? How are you serving your coworkers? You don't have any of those things, come forward, I want to pray for you. (laughs) 
Um, I'm just going to share a quick story, and then we'll close this up. I think we're going a little bit long. Um, have the band come on up. Um, I was overseas, right, and I had to start over in a new city, and I had no friends, and uh, I, was a, I was a needy person. Um, and, uh, I uh, got, managed to get pulled into the church band, and I, I played the drum, which I didn't really know how to play, but I wanted to belong so bad. Um, and, uh, and there was a couple who was on the worship team, Daniel and Hua Jung. She was from Korea. He was from Denmark. And um, they could tell I was really having a hard time. And, um, and they, would just, they just started inviting me over to their house every week. And they would just have me over and feed me really good Korean food. And, um, and I just think about that. They were extremely busy. They had stuff going on. And when I reflect on it, I was not meeting any of their emotional needs. <laughs> like, just didn't have it in me. Um, but I think about that, right? What does it look like for us to really care about the needs of other people? All right. So as we, as we begin to, let's all stand up together, actually. You know, it's a good way to get our bodies ready to respond to God. So there's multiple pieces of this, right? There's us in the physical world. What am I doing with my time? What am I doing with my energy? Um, what am I doing with my ability to have relationships? Am I really focused on other people's needs? What does that look like this week? It's a question to ask this morning. And then on the other side of this, right? The places where I'm engaged, am I laying my life down? Right? Am I saying yes to those little tiny deaths that work like chemotherapy on the pride in my soul? Because um, I, I want to bring it back to Jesus again, right? It's not about what you do. Jesus is not going to love you anymore if you are the best servant, right? If you do win that humble service championship I alluded to, if you're the winner, guess what? Jesus will love you just as much at the beginning of it as he will at the end. You don't need to check all the boxes on your service worksheet, church, for Jesus to be, to be enjoying you, right? Jesus is not like that. Um, but the more time we spend with him, the more we just want to be like him. The more we just want to smell like him, look like him, right? So um, I'm going to pray for us that God will give us the right feet to wash this week, amen? Um, Jesus, we ask that you would put us in the humble place. And um, we just say, we are, we are not better than our master, Lord. We are not better than our teacher. Um, if you washed feet when you were on earth, God, we want to do it. Lord, we want to do it, but we don't want to do it. Lord, would you go to work on us? Would you help us? Lord, and we just say, with that thing where we just feel guilty and feel like we have to do something, God, would you just get us over that? Would you bring us into the real kingdom thing where we love you and you show us a beautiful service to do and we do it and only you know and it's fun to have a secret with you, God. Would you give us the joy of service and not just the, um, not just the discouragement, obscurity of it, Lord. Would you do a beautiful thing in this church today?